All right, everyone. Listen up. Conservatives, this is going to be a, a rip on you a little bit because you're slacking. Got some other stuff to go through as well. I'm going to try and not make this three or four hours long because it could easily be. Uh, we're going to go over the digital currency. How the ESG scores is going to be morphed through the vaccine passport stuff. And just these are just things you need to start watching out for. So this is going to have a bunch of different stuff in it. So listen up. Here it comes. All right. If you're like me, you just want to live your life, want the government out of your life, want them to quit taxing you to death. And don't get real involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, we're behind the eight ball on this stuff. First, we're going to go over teaching stuff. You know, this is elementary school. Luckily, we have parents, though, that are organizing to push back against it. Uh, a lot of it is they're trying to push this critical race theory. And the 1619 project, they're trying to basically put everybody into black or white groups. Uh, here's an article. Parents organized to push back against critical race theory uh, from April 22nd. Uh, this is from the Epoch Times. Goes, a growing number of American parents are getting together to find ways to block the spread of the quasi-Marxist critical race theory in schools where they send their children. They see the doctrine as a culprit in creating a toxic environment and exacerbating problems it claims to ameliorate. Well, that's a weird word. School officials have been responding with denials or silence. Which, a lot of that sometimes is linked to federal money. So, if the federal government says, hey, we want you guys to be teaching this in your curriculum, and they don't do it, they don't get federal dollars to go towards their schools. So, you get a lot of, uh, it's basically blackmail with your tax dollars. Uh, CRT has been spreading throughout academia, entertainment, government, schools, and corporations. It redefines America's history as a struggle between oppressors, white people, and the oppressed, everybody else. Similarly, similarly to Marxism's reduction of human history to a struggle between the Burgoise, Burgoise and the proletariat, it labels institutions that emerged in majority white societies as systemically or structurally racist. Oh, well, that would kind of explain, uh, you know, if you've read any of Marx's stuff, uh, You'll probably see a lot of resemblances. Uh, CRT's entry into schools went largely unnoticed by parents due to its being dressed up as equity, anti-racist, or culturally responsive initiatives. It has spawned an industry of speakers, trainers, and consultants who get paid to diagnose an organization as systemically racist, prescribe CRT-based initiatives as the remedy, and then to help implement it over the years to come. 
The existence of systemic racism is usually claimed based on desperate outcomes for different groups, such as lower average test scores or more detentions for black students. Um, realistically, though, there's a lot of other problems in the black communities that can also bleed into why a lot of this stuff happens in these schools. Uh, there's been a ton of studies that have shown that since, I think I want to say like since the 50s or 60s, the, the government has basically incentivized black women not to get married and stay married. You know, they're incentivizing them basically to live a single lifestyle because the government will pay them more money if they're not married to a spouse. So, I mean, I mean, I got all kinds of opinions on why that is. Uh, typically, that's, in my opinion, that a lot of these Democrats are intentional or not, are the racist ones. And they've tricked the black communities, largely, not all, not all of them, you know, a lot of people see through their BS, but largely into believing all this stuff. So the more kids they have, if they don't have a father in the house, they get paid more money. You know, it's a, there's a whole industry of taxpayer money that goes into the black communities to basically keep them out of the regular society. But anyways, that's like I say, that's kind of off topic of what I'm trying to get at here. The existence of systemic racism is usually claimed based on desperate outcomes for different groups, such as lower average test scores or more detentions for black students. Scholars have pointed out that the argument is specious. Every system you could possibly think of produces some kind of racial or sexual or class discrepancy, said Wilfred Riley, an associate professor of political science at Kentucky State University, who specializes in empirically testing political claims. And this allows the radicals to be radicals eternally and to claim that everything is racist. Once parents learn what CRT is, they often disagree. One group that attracted media attention is the Parents Against Critical, against critical Theory in Loudoun County, Virginia. Local parents began to organize in June 2020 asking for the reopening of schools that had been shuttered in response to the CCP virus pandemic. However, it was the remote learning the district put in place that allowed parents to learn more about what their children are being taught, which raised some red flags. Uh, yeah, when you're trying to be sneaky with this crap, you need to be smacked down. Quote, we're seeing what our kids are learning and our goal changes from opening schools to, oh my gosh, what are we sending our children back to? Unquote. One parent who asked to remain anonymous because of concern about reprisals told the Epoch Times, quote, basically they're categorizing children by race to determine the quality of education each will have, which is absolutely unacceptable, unquote, she added. She said her children won't be returning to that school. Um, that's, you know, a lot of this stuff goes to the whole point of a lot of uh, conservatives, mainly conservatives, that like the school choice because you don't have to send your kids to a essentially public school because this stuff can get pushed into there a lot easier 
because the federal government gets their greedy little grubby hands in there. And uh, so this goes on. Our goal is to ensure equity based on this definition as outlined by the Virginia Department of Education. Education equity is achieved when we eliminate the predictability of student outcomes based on race, gender, zip code, ability, socioeconomic status, or languages spoken at home, he told the Epoch Times. As a school division, we are committed to ensuring the success of every student here in LCPS. One parent was shocked to hear her daughter asked her whether she was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Apparently, the child heard about it in class. They came about with a confused picture of what the KKK is. The parent had to explain that membership in such an organization is a bad thing. The child had no idea that the organization was started by Democrats more than a century ago and barely exists today, according to the parent. Bayard said the district does not comment on anecdotal stories such as these and that information about it, both on the student and the teacher's side, would be confidential. One teacher told the class that students can go protest and be excused from school as long as they are at least 14 years old and get parental consent. The mother learned from her child. The school denied it, she said, but she wasn't convinced. I'm going to believe my daughter probably over anything that they say, she said. A video posted online shows a teacher during a virtual class pushing a student to pay attention to racial differences, accusing the student of being intentionally coy by refusing. Bayard said the video is an edited clip of a much longer lesson and may not accurately reflect the context in which this discussion was held. Another student was told he'd be marked absent from a pre-class session when he refused to talk about his values. He told his mother he was worried he'd be bullied and questioned if he disclosed his beliefs. She told the Epoch Times his mother ultimately negotiated an arrangement where her son wouldn't be required to engage in the pre-class activities. Quote, we've been banging on drums for about nine or ten months now, and parents are finally coming around to see what is going on here. PACT founder Scott Maneo told the Epoch Times the district has responded by denying the CRT is used in its schools. No particular philosophy or theory is being used to indoctrinate students or staff, Byard said. He acknowledged the district has adopted a cult- culturally responsive framework, which the parents say is CRT under another name. And that's how they push it through places. It's just like our uh, elected officials most of the time. They put a fancy name on these bills to get everybody to agree with it because most of them you can't read because they're hundreds if not thousands of pages long. And they just pass them. They just push them through. The framework document quotes Ludon County Public Schools Superintendent Eric Williams as saying, LCPS calls for all students, staff, families, and other members of our community to engage in the disruption and dismantling of white supremacy, systemic racism, and hateful language and actions based on race, religion, country of origin, gender identity, sexual orientation, and or ability. Uh, Yeah, sounds pretty much like uh, critical race theory. The parents argue the outcome of this is the exact opposite. They're forcing this doctrine that won't result in less racism. It'll result in a toxic environment, one parent said. Uh, Which is, I can see exactly why that would happen. While the movement against CRT started locally, the response has been national. The messages, the prayers, the thanks, the donations are actually coming from all across the country, he said. Similar initiatives have been forming in recent months, such as Parents Defending Education, Founded earlier this year by Civil Liberties 
advocate Nicole Niley. In recent years, activists had targeted public, private, and charter schools across the country with a campaign to impose toxic new curriculums and to force our kids into divisive identity groups based on race, ethnicity, religion, and gender. Its website says urging parents to join in to stop the madness in our schools. This is what I'm talking about. we got to get more engaged with this stuff and start finding out if this stuff is actually being... It, it, it's a strength in numbers thing. You go in there one parent, they're just going to basically ignore you. But if you go in with a bunch of people, but you got to let other parents know that it's actually going on at the school or, you know, everybody's got lives to live. So we don't always just go in there and try and figure out what they're teaching our kids. And unfortunately, that's how they get away with a lot of this crap. So like I say, strength in numbers on that stuff. I'm not going to finish the rest of that article. You know, I'm sure they got a bunch of other stuff in there, but there is also a legal for a uh, legal lawsuit. Uh, it's America first legal pursuing lawsuit against critical race theory. Uh, this article, I'll just read part of it. Okay. So America first legal is seeking to pursue a lawsuit to stop critical race theory training. According to Stephen Miller, a former advisor to then president Donald Trump, Quote, we're also looking for plaintiffs, if we can find them, who are willing to stand up and file suit on critical race theory, unquote. He said during an interview with Fox News, Miller encouraged federal workers who have been compelled to participate in CRT training to join the effort. Go to our website and tell us what happened to you, he said. The White House and the Justice Department didn't immediately respond to requests by the Epoch Times for comment. Critical race theory, which espouses the idea that race is not natural, but socially constructed to oppress and exploit people of color, is an offshoot of the Karl Marx-influenced critical theory social philosophy that was promoted by the Frankfurt School of Thought. Trump signed an executive order. Uh, Biden basically has erased that with his executive orders. Uh, and that's, that's the problem with executive orders is that are only binding for as long as that president's in power and can be undone by any other administration coming in. So anyways, there's a lawsuit going on about that. Uh, quote, simply put, the teachings of critical race theory want to reject the principles established in our Constitution and our individual God-given rights and instead divide individuals into competing race identity groups while doing little to help minority students advance. They wrote in the letter. And there's a lot of things, that, like I say, that go on in minority groups that is essentially created by the government and so, one side of the government that causes the problem. The government creates the problem, so now you need government to fix the problem, which they never fix. They just keep telling you that you need them to fix it, and it keeps going forever and ever. So anyways, that's kind of a little touch on that one. Um, so there's actually a site, uh, what is this one, uh, criticalrace.org, and it has, what is critical race theory? Um, so I'm just going to kind of go through what these ones here are. It also has the 1619 project and different things in it. So, I mean, if you want to look it up and actually read it yourself, it's a lot of years in trying to listen to me explain stuff sometimes. <laughs> uh, so it goes on. What is critical race theory? An outgrowth of the European Marxist school of critical theory. Critical race theory is an academic movement which seeks to link racism, race, and power. 
Unlike the civil rights movement, which sought to work within the structures of American democracy, critical race theorists challenged the very foundations of the liberal order, such as rationalism, constitutional law, and legal reasoning. Critical race theorists argue that American social life, but uh, political structures and economic systems are founded upon race, which in their view is a social construct. Well, it is when you keep making race everything. If everything's about race, everything's about racism, uh, you create it. So they're basically, the people that are pushing this stuff are trying to create this animosity between each, between everybody, really. So it goes on, systemic racism in the eyes of critical race theorists stems from the dominance of race in American life. Critical race theorists and anti-racist advocates argue that because race is a predominant part of American life, racism itself has become internalized into the American conscious. It is because of this, they argue, that there have been significantly different legal and economic outcomes between different racial groups. Uh, like I say, there's there's all kinds of things going on here. Uh, and this goes all the way up through, you know, college. This isn't just high school, grade school, whatever. They're trying to push this into any school they can. Uh, the 1619 Project as well. Um... I don't remember who the lady was that actually wrote the the whole piece on the 1619. Trying to say that that's basically when America was really uh, created, you know, because that's when people came here and slaves were brought here. So they're trying to link the slavery part to white people that, you know, back then when the, everybody in the world, most countries had some kind of, of slavery. But they're trying to say that's the when America really started was in 1619, and they're trying to link everything with Americans and white people, especially to slavery, even though that stuff's been, you know, outlawed and gone for you know who know a few hundred years now. So, like I say, they're just trying to push all this bull crap because they know if they can keep teaching it at a younger age, I mean, there's already kids that are buying into the whole BLM thing and defund the police. I mean, they'll put writing on their, their cars that their parents let them drive to school about, you know, with BLM and defund the police, even though they don't understand any of it, but just because it's being taught, they're being taught through their social medias, you know, anywhere else that they're getting information from. A lot more teachers, too, that are coming out of colleges and starting to teach these kids are going through the same leftist training. And and there was kind of an interesting uh, poll, I guess it was, is that um, it was a CNN poll. So, I mean, I don't take polls too serious anyways, but it was showing the more college-educated graduates moving from the Republican Party to Democrat Party. As they're being educated and graduating uh, college, that's that was what their poll showed. Now, CNN, we already know, is a Democrat left-wing news media. But they, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's starting in our higher education, pumping out more of these left ideology teachers, because even in, you know, 
college, you think, oh, well, these are adults. Well, young adults that have not a whole lot of life experience being taught this stuff, and then they buy into it. Uh, Some of them become teachers, and they branch out and start teaching in elementary and high school. And, you know, some of them eventually end up replacing the, the leftists that are in the colleges already. I mean, it's not really a secret that more leftist ideology is taught in colleges and colleges everywhere. So that's what I mean. We got to we got to fight it from taking hold before it's too late. I don't know. Maybe it is too late. I don't know. So anyways, that's kind of uh, if you want to read more on that, though, go to criticalrace.org. Um, I just searched what is critical race theory and it kind of, that's one of the ones that it was able to pull up, but it's got that it's got the 1619 project. Uh, and I don't know if this is like promoting it or if it's actually just trying to expose it, (laughs) but anyways, it's got a bunch of different, uh, links and different things on there as well. So if you want to check more of that out, you can go there. Um, let's see, where are we at here? Looks like, uh, all right, I'll touch on this one real quick. So we've heard about the ESGs, the economic, social, and governance scores. So the talk is that they're going to do that through a vaccine passport. So basically, like I said, they're going to make it incentivized to get that or private business can keep you from coming into their store. So it basically, you know, you basically give them all your information for this vaccine passport. Which I don't know if they're going to have an official database for it through the government where you like got to scan a card or something like that. So they're going to keep track of basically everywhere you're going. I mean, they they tried to do this originally with the track and trace stuff with your phone. And, you know, it it, it just doesn't work. I mean, because basically everybody's going to be exposed to it somewhere or the other. So it makes not a whole lot of sense. So anyways, that just a quick one on the ESG stuff. That's That's how it sounds like they're going to try and implement it. So they're going to basically try and restrict you from moving around or going certain places if you're not vaccinated. Even though they say they're not, but like I say, they've got big business, big tech, all them people. I mean, they're pushing it everywhere. So I don't know how everybody feels about the vaccines. I don't feel like I need one. I mean, I've got a strong enough immune system. That's been over a year. I get tested all the time. Work. I haven't come up positive. Not really too worried about it. So anyways, we'll come back here in a second, and we'll start off with the second part. All right, so it has a little bit about uh, Rudy Giuliani, so I'm just reading a new new post about that. Uh, this article reads, New York Times, The Washington Post, NBC, Retract reports that Giuliani got FBI Russia briefing. <laughs> I don't know why all these places are still stuck on Russia. Uh they, I, I think it's just because they perpetuated the lie so long they believe themselves. 
anyways, this, this article goes on. Uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and NBC News have retracted earlier reporting that incorrectly stated former New York Mayor, Mayor Rudy Giuliani was directly warned by the FBI that he was targeted by a Russian intelligence influence operation. The stories came out after federal investigators executed a search warrant at the home and office of the former New York mayor. The searches were allegedly linked to Giuliani's dealings in Ukraine. Hmm. Yeah, that whole thing was really uh, fishy. And probably really dirty stuff against Biden, possibly. I don't know. The FBI didn't seem to really want to investigate it too hard. Um, the searches were allegedly linked to Giuliani's dealings in Ukraine, while Giuliani said he believes the search warrant was issued because he allegedly failed to file with the Department of Justice for representing a Ukrainian national or office. He has since denied any wrongdoing. The Post was the first to report the incorrect information. It also incorrectly stated that One American News had also received a similar warning from the FBI. Quote, this version has been corrected to remove assertions that OAN and Giuliani received the warnings. The correct appended, oh, the correction appended on the article states. The New York Times made its correction on a story about Giuliani's alleged role in the 2019 recall of Ambassador Marie L. Yovanovitch. An earlier version at this, uh, quote, I guess is what it is. Quote, an earlier version of this article misstated whether Rudolph W. Giuliani received a formal warning from the FBI about Russian disinformation. Mr. Giuliani did not receive such a so-called defensive briefing, the correction states. This is the problem with people writing stories off of blue checks on Twitter. Because their opinion BS not news, and everybody's got to be first to get a story out there. And that's why I like to usually wait a few days to see if anything different comes out, because you end up with stories like this, where everybody was reporting this story, and turns out that a lot of it was BS. Oh, <laughs> uh, Let's see what else does it say here. Uh, meanwhile, NBC News elaborated on why it corrected the story, saying that a second source disputed the assertions of the first source as the briefing was only prepared for Giuliani and not delivered to him. Both sources were anonymously cited in the article. And that's another problem. These anonymous sources, because they could be anybody. They could be the dang person that wrote the article. Because they're anonymous. Quote, the report was based on a source familiar with the matter, but a second source now says the briefing was only prepared for Giuliani and not delivered to him, in part over concerns it might complicate the criminal investigation of Giuliani. Unquote. NBC News correction reads. Uh, yeah, NBC there for you. The press offices of the New York Times, the Post, and NBC News didn't respond by press time to the Epoch Times questions about the corrections. Giuliana's, Giuliani's office didn't respond to a request for comment by press time. In two statements on Twitter, Giuliani called for the Post and New York Times to reveal their sources for the incorrect information. Oh, but if there is actually an anonymous source... They don't want to give that away because then they can't use an anonymous source for their source. <laughs> uh, quote, on a Saturday, the Washington Post added this correction to their defamatory story about me, Giuliani wrote on Twitter. The Washington Post and the New York Times 
must reveal their sources who lied and targeted an American citizen. Hashtag MSNBC, hashtag CNN, forgot to mention the corrections today, hashtag fake news, hashtag bad people, <laughs> Twitter. Uh, in a separate statement, he wrote, where did the original false information come from? At MSNBC, at CNN, at New York Times, I couldn't quite hear your apology. And you never will because you're a Republican and they're Democrat ran and they hate you. <laughs> Anyways, that's enough of that one. Uh, part of that, I'm going to say, uh, if you guys have, haven't watched or know anything about Edward Snowden, other than what our government has called him, because he exposed what they were doing, especially throughout the intelligence communities, especially the CIA, NSA, uh, which here in Utah, up there by Camp Williams, is one ginormous concrete building where the NSA, uh, at one point or another during the Obama administration, after all this came out, said that they are uh, not running that program. And they're not going to use that facility for that anymore. Yeah, right. Um, Let's see. So there is... A free, uh, what is this one here? EdwardSnowden.com. And there's a lot of stuff on here. He has trailers. And he, he talks about a lot of the stuff that he helped develop. I mean, he was like any other patriotic American. You know, after 9-11 happened, uh, you know, he went into the intelligence community, wanted to serve his country the best he could, you know, to stop terrorism. And inadvertently started finding out the dirty part of our government. Uh, part of this goes, um, who is Edward Snowden? Edward Snowden is a 31-year-old citizen. Okay, this is probably old, so he's probably not actually 31 anymore. Um, I'm not sure exactly when this was written. Because the trailer, there's a trailer for his documentary. Uh, citizen 4 official trailer. Uh, from 2014. I think that was roughly when it came out. So he might have been 31 at that point. Um, so he was a former intelligence community officer and whistleblower. The documents he revealed provided a vital public window into the NSA and its international intelligence partners, secret mass surveillance programs, and capabilities. These revelations generated unprecedented attention around the world on privacy intrusions and digital security leading to a global debate on the issue. Yeah, so, I mean, you think any of your information uh, searches on your computer, your phone, uh, phone calls, emails, tweets, Facebook stuff. Facebook's saving it for them anyways. They, they keep all your junk anyways. So it's not like they really got to keep Facebook's data. They'll just hand it over to them anytime they want it. But uh, anyways... <laughs> Snowden worked in various roles within the U.S. intelligence community, including serving undercover for the CIA overseas. He most recently worked as an infrastructure analyst at the NSA through a Booz Allen Hamilton contract when he left his home and family in Hawaii to blow the whistle in May 2013. After traveling to Hong Kong, Snowden revealed documents to the American public on the NSA's mass surveillance programs, which were shown to be operating without any public oversight and outside the limits of the U.S. Constitution. 
The U.S. government has charged Snowden with theft of government property and two further charges under the 1970 Espionage Act. Each charge carries a maximum 10-year prison sentence. With the U.S. pursuing his extradition, extradition, Snowden is now in Russia, where he was formally granted three years residency from August 2014. After a year of temporary asylum in Russia ended on 31st of July 2014, journalists continued to publish documents from Snowden that reveal the secret and unaccountable systems of modern global surveillance. Uh, so, you know, this type of whistleblower that's actually giving the public information we need to know and deserve to know, uh, they want to bury this guy because it's now exposed them as doing this stuff to everybody. I mean, they. it doesn't matter if you're a government official. If you're uh, another country's government officials, they are spying on everything you're doing. And he, he goes into a lot of the stuff about the different programs that they were running. You know, and it's not just one or two. There's a, a, multiple programs they run that's basically spying. So you think they don't know anything about you. They know everything about you. But it's, uh, yeah, so edwardsnowden.com. Go on there, watch the trailers and different things. And it's, it's really interesting, the stuff he reveals. And that takes me into, if you have Bitcoin or any other digital currency, the uh, U.S. dollar paper change money someday soon here in the near future could be coming to an end and a digital u.s dollar could be the new uh monetary whatever you want to call it um let's see let's go to the medium.com the coming U.S. digital dollar, what it is and why it matters. A new U.S. digital dollar, seemingly imminent, will transform the financial world and digital currency landscape. Uh, now, as far as I've understood it, is because we are spending so many trillions of dollars, uh, the printing presses can't print that much money. So, for the Fed to just switch over to a digital dollar. They can track everything you spend money on because it's going to be digital. It's not a, a private transaction. It'll be linked to you. So, uh, as far as what I just went through with the spying and all this, they're going to sell it to you. They're going to sell it to you and tell you why they have to do this, and, you know, it'll be so much more secure. But on the back side of that, the CIA, any of these intelligence, you know, communications will be able to track every penny you spend because it'll all be a digital track. I mean, that's how EFTs and stuff work right now. I mean, they you can track that all over the place. And... If there's something you're doing, like buying guns or ammo or something like that, and the, the federal government, whatever government happens to be in power at the time, decides they don't like what you're doing, 
They can just shut your bank account down. Or, oh, you owe money to the IRS? Bink! Your bank account drained. Without any warning, they won't have to tell you they're doing it because you owe them the money, right? At least according to them. <laughs> so, anyways, a bad deal when this day comes, which I'm pretty sure it will because... And that's what I'm saying. If you own any of these digital currencies outside of the U.S. dollar, uh, I don't know. I can't really tell you when to get out and make the adjustments before they shut those ones down. Because the as soon as the U.S. digital dollar goes down, I can't imagine them leaving, letting these other digital currencies to still compete with the dollar. Because then that gives the government less buying power with their money to keep buying you off and keep stealing your freedoms, basically. Um, this article in the medium.com goes, The introduction of a U.S. digital dollar, the creation of which just last year seemed far away, but now under serious consideration, represents nothing short of a tectonic reconfiguration of money in the global financial system. The U.S. dollar is the world's financial leviathan, a singularly dominant international trade and reserve currency. Any substantive changes to it will significantly alter the global economic landscape and impact billions of people around the world. A U.S. digital dollar could also have significant ramifications for the crypto asset industry, particularly cryptocurrencies such as stablecoins and Bitcoin that are vying for wider monetary use. This three-part blog series will... Oh, this is a whole blog. Uh, okay, well, I guess if you want to go there and read it, medium.com. Uh, part one, describing the history of the U.S. digital dollar and defined central bank digital currency, as well as the essential need to understand how money is created and how a U.S. digital dollar resembles and differs from cryptocurrency and commercial bank. I don't, don't see what the difference is there. Uh, analyze key differences and trade-offs of leading U.S. digital dollar design proposals currently being debated and considered. Part three, discuss the role of infrastructure surrounding and supporting a U.S. digital dollar, particularly digital wallets and their various design trade-offs. Um, let's see, it goes on how the U.S. digital dollar suddenly reversed course from uncertain, distant dream to high priority. Oh, well, look who's first name here? Bill Gates. Huh. Bill Gates famously said, we often overestimate the amount of change that occurs in the short run, but every once in a while, seismic shifts can be seen in a single year. Just over 12 months ago, few thought the creation of a new U.S. digital dollar, a broadly held and transcended, oh, transacted central bank digital currency, would soon be on the policy and legislative front burner in Congress, the Federal Reserve, and other regulatory bodies, and there were good reasons. Wait, what did I screw up there? Federal Reserve and other regulatory bodies. And there, why is there a period there? Maybe they screwed up. Maybe it wasn't me. <laughs> And there were good reasons for this skepticism. In January 2019, the Bank of International Settlements, followed, following a survey of its central bank members, reported there was no rush by most leading central banks to broaden central bank digital currency due to uncertain benefits and risks. 
the biggest risk, as I'm going to say, would be hackers are going to hack the crap out of this stuff because that's what they do with everything. <laughs> so if you're putting all your all your eggs in that basket, uh, there's a good, really, really good chance that hackers are going to change the, where they're hacking and go for the big money stuff. Because, I mean, they can figure out a back way into these numbers. Uh, I think they could probably mask their bank accounts. And it might take a long time before anybody catches it. Especially if the government's putting together this crap. It's going to be a boondoggle from all get out. And it's going to cost tons of money to, to do it. Like everything they do. So let's see. Many central banks previously explored technical aspects of them implementing broad CBDC by testing blockchain or, distribu or distributed ledger technology and were left concerned about the maturity and capabilities of the technology for use at scale. And for countries that have already implemented faster payments or were working to do so in the case of the Federal Reserve with FedNow, there were questions about what improvements CBDC would offer in terms of payment efficiencies and other conveniences. In sum, the state of play last year at the Federal Reserve, as well as many of the world's other leading central banks, was that they were happy to continue studying the concept of broad CBDC. What is it? Central bank digital currency. Okay, I was like, what the heck is CBDC? <laughs> The no-rush attitude towards broad CBDC was also not exclusive to central banks. Many commercial banks have been lukewarm or outright hostile towards the idea of introducing broad CBDC. Banks reasoned the, that consumer and non-bank business access uh, would erode the exclusive, privileged position of commercial banks, which have long been situated advantageously between central banks and all other economic actors. Yeah, so I mean, they start going to that, and you're going to basically put every single bank right underneath the thumb of the federal government. Uh, let's see. Facebook's ambitious global Libra currency was announced in mid-June 2019, and it would be underpinned by blockchain technology deemed sufficiently robust to service Facebook's billions of users. Purportedly, in response to Libra, China accelerated work and began testing in April 2020 its long-rumored digital yuan, the DCEP, Digital Currency Electronic Payment. Uh, U.S.-China strategic competition and geopolitical tensions escalated. The coronavirus pandemic struck painfully demonstrating the antiquated nature of U.S. monetary and financial infrastructure, Slow and efficient physical checks were relied upon to distribute relief funds to 70 million Americans. Um, I never understood the whole we can't use money thing when the whole pandemic thing came out. It's almost like it was because it touched somebody's hands it was going to have the coronavirus on it forever or something. I, don't, I didn't quite understand that. Uh, let's see, down here it says, 
what is a U.S. digital dollar and why is there so much confusion around central bank digital currency? The interest in a U.S. digital dollar and central bank digital currency more generally was inspired early on by the success of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and its underlying technology. Some U.S. digital dollar design proposals would incorporate technology pioneered by Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Understanding the reasons behind Bitcoin's growth and how a U.S. digital dollar would resemble and differ differ from Bitcoin is a helpful starting point on the journey to understanding the U.S. digital dollar. By also understanding the confusion surrounding cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, we can shed light on the confusion surrounding the U.S. digital dollar. Bitcoin has reliably operated for over 11 years now, and surveys show awareness of Bitcoin registering at over 80% in many countries. Tens of millions of people around the world own Bitcoin, and it has a market value at present of approximately $170 billion. U.S. dollars. A non-exhaustive list of reasons cited for Bitcoin's success and growth includes predictable coin supply schedule and capped total supply, 21 million total coins, making a scarce investment asset, relatively decentralized architecture, trust minimization, and status as a bearer instrument. Caesarship, uh, yeah, so... Caesar, yeah, man, that's such a hard word. Caesar ship resistance. Meaning they can't come and seize it. <laughs> Technically resiliency, censorship resistance, and privacy. Efficient, relatively low cost, and otherwise useful for certain types of payments. Price appreciation, number go up. Uh, Okay, which of Bitcoin's features will make their way into the final U.S. digital dollar design is a subject of significant debate and something we will cover more in part two of this series. Okay, well, if you want to read more about that, uh, this is just one of the few different articles. Like I say, this one's uh, from themedium.com. And, folks, I think that was kind of, I'll wrap it up with that one. Uh, I had some notes here. What, what did I miss here? I went through that one. Edward Snowden, Intelligence. Yeah, I think that was about it. So, anyways, hopefully these uh, things will get you thinking about a few things. Uh, at least try and get prepared or at least things to watch for. Like I say, I mean, this is just my opinion on the, the digital U.S. dollar. If you own uh, Bitcoin or any of the other things, I don't know that that's what's going to happen. But typically, people in power don't like to compete with other things, especially when it comes to money. So if there's Bitcoin or something like that that they don't have, but now they have to transfer their money into digital dollars, and their digital dollar is going to be less valuable than Bitcoin or something like that. They're going to find a way to get rid of the competition. That's just my thought. Because other countries have done the same thing. And, you know, we're we're really famous around here for saying, Oh, that would never happen in America. <laughs> and then it happens. So, anyways, that's pretty much all I got this time. Uh, sorry it took me so long to get this one out. I had to uh, turbo one out in the old F-350. 
So I'm waiting on my new one to get here so I can replace that and chuck's down for now. So that's what I've been doing. Playing a little playing mechanic, shade tree mechanic in the driveway. Uh, and if you haven't ever had to replace a turbo on one of these new diesels, oh, I, I encourage you to at least pop the hood and look under there, scratch your head, and then close the hood and take it to a mechanic shop. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's all I got. Thanks for listening to the Nielsen Show. Uh, I'll try and see what else I can come up with on the next one. I appreciate listening. Uh, pass it on if you can or want to. Uh, I'd appreciate it. Try and get my listenership up. And, you know, try and work work on getting some, uh, I don't know, sponsorship or whatever. I think there's a, a link to that as well. If you'd like to donate to the program, um, that is mainly because I want to build up a reserve to used towards uh not necessarily towards the show i don't need the money for the show or for myself just for like natural disasters different things where hopefully you know having a little extra donation of money or be able to go buy goods to send to some of these places uh it's kind of what my goal is with this I'm not looking to get rich that just causes other problems so anyways thanks for listening catch you on the next one